0: He is jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending me Away to his
1: wind and mercy God loves you And he loves you with a love That you don't even know anything about Because there is no human love Comparable to divine love God loves you He wants to forgive you He wants to have fellowship with you doesn't make any difference how far you tried to run from God he loves you his eye is on you he sees you God created us in his image and you as a person are important to God the Bible says that God has the hands of your head numbered every moment of your life is watched by God God is listening and God loves you He's your friend. He'll put his arm around you. And he understands. And he answers. And he's sympathetic to your problems. God loves you. And the Bible says that God sent his son from heaven to this earth for you. Jesus Christ came to this earth to take your sins upon a cross. And he would have died had you been the only person in the whole world. He loves you. Don't ever forget, he loves, 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 loves you. When Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross, he did that for you. That's how much he loves us. The Bible says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. God loves you. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We gather here today, Father, because you are our Heavenly Father. And we gather here as your kids, kids who have trusted you, kids who have acknowledged that you paid for their sin when you died on the cross. Kids who have been redeemed and restored to an almighty God. One that pursues us and one that loves us. Lord, we're overwhelmed as we understand your love for us. That's part of Paul's prayer today. So we're going to pray that you would open our eyes even today. That something as simple as your love would explode in our minds. Father, we pray for all those who are worshiping in your name gathering today in your name, whether it be in our city or our state or our country, all over the world, all the different time zones, there are people gathered, worshiping you. You have changed us. You, Father, have given us new perspective and new life. Lord, we pray specifically, though, for a few churches in our neighborhood as we together want to glorify your name. We pray for Chain of Lakes Church and for Connection and for Meadowland and for Northbridge. Lord, may those congregations meet and love you more and more because you first loved we pray all these things in your son's amazing name. Amen. Amen. The elderly Paul writes his letter from prison to his dear friends at Ephesus. If you've been with us, we've been opening the book of Ephesians. And if you want to do that even now, turn your Bibles to Ephesians or your flat screens. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. But this is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison. And this is a letter that Paul wrote near the end of his life. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to a very mature and godly church. A church that that he served with for three years, a serve that he, a church that he loved dearly. He probably knew more people of that church than any of the other churches. We know it was a special church because he sent one of his special friends, Timothy, to be the pastor of that church when he had left. But, but this seasoned apostle finishes up, well, we see in chapter 3. And again, the Bible wasn't originally written in chapters and verses. That was added so we can somehow find the different places. But this was one long letter. So about halfway through, and we're finishing that part, he's going to shift gears tremendously Next time we meet, next week, when we open up Ephesians in chapter 4. So he's finishing what we would call the doctrinal part. The part that is absolutely foundational for all the believers to understand so that they might be able to be unleashed. They might be, well, able to grace others. You've seen on your bulletin, you see uh, in, in our theme is that once we understand God's grace, which is chapters 1, 2, and 3, understanding, figuring that out, oh, then we can grace others. So God graces us so that we might grace others. We're going to read In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow up on the screen, and I've asked Erica to read for us today.
0: When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.
1: Let's stay right there for now. And and I'm going to reread verses 14 and 15. Paul says this, When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. You see, Paul actually brings up a picture that was very, very relevant to the Ephesians, especially the Ephesian elders. Way back in the introduction of um, this letter, we talked about Paul's relationship, but after he had left the church and after he was on one of his missionary journeys, he was able to travel back and connect with the elders. And when he met the elders, not in the town of Ephesus, he encouraged them, he strengthened them, he gave them hugs, he says, you're doing well, I just want you to keep moving. And at the very end, you can find this in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, the scriptures say this, when he finished speaking, he knelt and prayed for them. Paul often knelt down and prayed. Paul saw prayer is is natural. It's something normal to talk to God on behalf of others. One of the things he often did, it wasn't hard. Let me pray for you. Let me talk to God on your behalf. It's really important that you understand how dependent I am of God. I want to pray for you. But as we read this prayer, I just got to say, Paul's prayer, well, it sounds different than the way I pray often. And when it sounds different from the way that I pray, or maybe the way you pray, we probably should look at it a little deeper. Because one of the ways we learn to pray is by listening to others, whether it be in the scriptures or other people that you respect. But people who walk with God, people who have an intimate relationship with God, people who have seen God faithful over the years, over and over and over and over again, they pray just a little bit differently. As I said, we focus mostly on comfort and safety. And I'm not actually, you know, asking you to kind of rehearse some of the prayers that you prayed for lately. But most of the time, it's that we would be more comfortable and that you would protect us, God. No, I'm not actually saying those are bad prayers. But the truth is, that's oftentimes where we go. To Paul, prayer was primary. It was not secondary. It was not something you do if you have no options. Have you ever heard this? Hey, I'm not sure what else I can do for you, but but I'm going to pray. I'm not sure what I can do, but let me pray. Instead of almost being the first thing we do, it's often the last thing we do. I am so excited about our Honduras team. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I'm excited about our Honduras team, which will be going down to Honduras. Yeah, that's the clue. All right. Down in February. But right now they're raising support. Not just financial support. But they're raising prayer support. Do you realize these 10 or 11 or 12 members are going to be getting on a plane? And the very morning that they leave, they're going to have 120, 130, 140 people praying for them. When they land, they're going to be prayed for. When they get the flat tire on one of their vehicles going to the compound, they can have absolute confidence. That God's in the middle of this, and God's going to give them strength, because they have all these people praying for them, that they would grow, that they would see God work in some new and fresh ways, and that they would change their perspective. How cool is that? In fact, when they're down there, they're going to start their days praying numerous times during the day they're going to stop and pray. They're going to talk to God and depend upon God God, in in a whole new, in a fresh way. Something that you just don't normally do here when you're here working. You just don't. In fact, my prayer is that some of those team members come back and they say, you know what I learned? I learned how important prayer was. Not only from all the saints back home, but what it meant to our team. You know, I want to say something about the posture of prayer. When I think of all this, Paul says, I fall to my knees and pray. You know, just a little bit before, in verse 12, all right, verse 12 of chapter 3, Paul is, again, writing this letter, and he says this, because of Christ and our faith in him, we now can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. In Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 19, it's up on the screen for you, and the author of Hebrews writes this, and so brothers and sisters, all those who are of faith, we can boldly enter God's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. I'm not sure how many of you have ever entered the throne room of a king. I'm not sure if any of you ever met our president or one of our presidents. I'm not sure if, again, other dignitaries, you've come into their presence. But I can tell you this most of the time, you would not be casual wouldn't be flippant. You'd probably dress differently. You'd certainly clean up your mouth, right? I would. Not that it's so dirty or gross, but but you use words differently because this is a person of honor. You see, culturally, back then, in the first century, it was normal when anybody prayed to stand, or sometimes what you would do is stand and hold your hand something like this. That's quite common in the early church. Just, well, acknowledging at that moment, Hey, I'm praying. I'm talking to you, God. Would you receive my prayer? I want to hear what you want to tell me. I'm letting you know, kneeling was not normal. But Paul says this twice. And he says, kneeling, I kneel. I'm overwhelmed by who you are, God, so I kneel. And to be quite honest, all the time, all the way through scriptures, when people had the opportunity to come into God's presence, there's something that overwhelmed them. Even as we read about it in Revelation. But kneeling shows submission, first of all. And most of the time we don't like to submit. We, you know, we like being the boss. But there's something about getting down on your knees or knee before God. It shows respect. It shows reverence. It shows dependence. It shows adoration. It shows urgency. I say, Rick, well, you know, I mean, isn't praying enough? And and yeah, praying is wonderful. But I think we as Americans forget just a little bit of how awesome and what great privilege we have of going into God's throne room. And one way to show it is to get down on your knees. Now, I know it's really hard to drive like that. I'm with you. Okay? But there are other times we can show God, in fact, i got to be honest. I'm jealous of some of the church traditions who have kneelers, to be quite honest. I think there's something about that. Something about kneeling down to an almighty God. Now, as I mentioned, this is Paul's second prayer in his his letter. And in his first prayer, we talked about it weeks ago, but it was in chapter 1, starting at verse 15. And Paul basically said at that time, "I, I... Church, I want you to grow in your intimacy. I want you to know God better. I want you to be confident of your future, that you're going to spend eternity with God. And I want you to experience God's amazing power. You see, prayer, for the most part, always involves the Trinity. We may not understand all of that, but we pray to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. Now let's jump into this specific prayer. So as I look at it, you know, it starts off, when I think of all this, he just starts to pray. But what prompted this prayer? What prompted it? What prompted his overwhelm? What prompted him to get down on his knees? What prompted him to just be able to spurt out these words? Well, earlier in the letter, and we didn't review today, But I think most of you remember this, that Paul was talking to believers, mature believers, about all the spiritual blessings you have. He was sharing with them how they are showered with God's grace and mercy, literally dumped upon, that they are loved and they're adopted and they're redeemed and they're forgiven and they've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit that literally lives within you. It's pretty cool. But what happened really right before he prayed, we talked about two weeks ago. This prayer flowed out of the earth-shaking news of chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. So many responded to me after that message. Looking at grace and mercy so different or reminding about God's grace and mercy. But realistically, Paul is just saying this, the Jews and the Gentiles are going to be united. There's not going to be any more walls of division. You are going to be together, part of the church, part of God's community, part of God's people. The hostility can be put aside. You have a new inheritance. If that grace makes us citizens, members of a community where God dwells in this church, a community, and I love this phrase, it just has not gone away, but a community that tells others the endless treasures available to everybody who believes. That's our privilege. So out of all that, Paul literally makes three prayer requests to God for the Ephesian church. Now what I want to remind you, and and please, maybe you need to write in your Bibles here. Okay, just to remind you. We are so individualistic here in our culture. We do not see the church well. We see us well. Now, granted, if we're not listening to God, the church is hurt, the community of God. But this whole prayer is for the church. All the yous, is that correct, yous that you see in there? They're all plural, all right? Paul is praying for the yous here us as a church and he has three requests three of them let's start verses 16 and the first part of 17 this is what he prays i pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will god will empower you with inner strength through his spirit then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Paul's first prayer for the church, for even us at Crosspoint, is that God would empower us with inner strength through or by means of the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit would descend and make you spiritually strong by God's glorious unlimited resources. Are you getting Paul's language here? What he's literally praying for is that your insides get strong. Let me give you some illustrations. Strong when evil seems to triumph. Strong When hope seems to wane. Strong. When cultural lies seem to make sense. Strong. When temptation comes. And you want to respond. Strong when God seems exceptionally silent. Strong when you feel like serving yourself rather than others. Strong. When laborers seem to be few, or worse, evaporating, Wow. You know what? One of the things that happen in a church is that as people begin to learn and to grow in who God is, we begin to have faith in this God more and more and more because he is always faithful and he's always true. But there are things that sneak in. And sometimes the things that sneak in are lies from our culture. Like, we're the most important. And you know what? I've already done my time down in children's area. I don't need to do that anymore. Or you can start filling in the blanks. And instead of as we get more mature, and I'm not even talking about age-wise, instead of getting more and more and more excited about disciple-making and spending time with others and mentoring others, We start thinking comfortably. And Paul is saying this. I want to pray for you as a church. I want to pray that you remain strong all the time on your insides. That you get stronger and stronger in your faith. So that you listen to me better. And then as you grow older in faith and in years, you become more and more and more involved, not less involved. Oh wow. do we understand what community is? A family together. And last I put strong... When you don't want to enter the battle. I tell you. I think that's some of the hardest things that I go through. Lord, the battle is hard. There are people that resist. There's people that don't trust you. Lord, I don't want to go to that hard place. I don't want to say that. Uh, or, Or even... Lord, I don't want to pray anymore about it. There's disunity over here or disharmony over here. Oh, Lord. Maybe it's easier. We just let that go. It will just go away, won't it? But Paul says, I want you as an Ephesian church. I'm going to strengthen you. From the inside, I want your insides. I want you to understand truth. I want you to understand all that you are. I want you to understand your adoption. I want you to understand everything. I want your insides strong. That's what I want. You know, it's just hard to trust somebody you don't know very well. And some of us just know God casually, or our perspective of God is fading. It's just fading. Not that important. Paul also prays that the church at Ephesus will understand and experience God's love. Look at verse 17, last part, through verse 19. I'm going to read it for you. Your roots, I'm praying this, Paul says, that your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is really too great to understand fully. Paul's saying this, if you understand how much God loves you, it's going to change everything. Because no one has ever been loved by, there's no human that ultimately can love like God loves you and me. He's saying, do you understand how much God loves you? You see, God loves you so much that when he created us, he gave us a choice. He didn't make us love him. And Adam and Eve chose poorly. We can't get too mad at Adam and Eve, but, but really it just followed. We really have choices and much of the time many of the time choose to do our own thing god loves you so much he took abuse he died for you he redeemed you and he gave you a choice <laughs> you heard billy graham in just a few minutes kind of share his heart the, it, folks if you never heard billy graham that's about all he said all the time a million different ways god loves you And he sent his son to not only give you abundant life, but eternal life. Wow. God loves you so much, he forgives. And he keeps on forgiving. And he keeps on forgiving. We see it all the way through the scriptures. We see it especially in the parable of the two sons. Right? So many even know that parable, even if you're newer to the church. We're one son. Part of the household got so arrogant absolutely would crush a father in this culture said hey give me what I need to have I mean give me my inheritance early just give it to me I don't really care about you God I don't care and there's a whole lot in there but he leaves and then wastes it all (laughs) and he has enough sense to come back because all the way through his life he saw his dad was forgiving His dad forgives him in spite of his absolutely foolish and ridiculous behavior, just like us. You know, God loves you so much, he gives timeouts. I have to say that because that's probably culturally correct. He actually spanks. Okay. According to Hebrews 12, all the way through Proverbs, God spanks He says, do you understand? I gave you abundant life. I gave you the way. I want to be yoked up with you. Would you take it? The word, it's not a bunch of rules. It's a a love letter. Listen to it. I will show you life. And if you don't, well, I'll encourage you to listen. Every parent does it. Loving parent God loves you so much, he partners with us, yokes up with us. God loves us so much, he's preparing eternity with us. Oh, we had a little bit of time. It was a great time last Friday. We had a senior luncheon. And our our seniors gathered together. And you know, I got to share from Revelation 21. And honestly, we just talked about what heaven was all about. <laughs> we have no clue what God has planned for us. But it's pretty amazing. All because of His grace. And Paul says this let your roots grow deep into God's love. Experience His perfect love. Because God changes the way you think about yourself and others and this church and the church when you understand God's love. Oh, man, there's not division. There's not yapping against each other. There is unbelievable grace extended. And then lastly, Paul prays that the church at Ephesus will be complete. The last part of verse 19. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now literally, this would be translated that you may be filled with God's fullness. The problem is, as you look at that and try to understand how that fits in, I think at least in this text, the New Living Translation helps us grasp the meaning here by understanding the context. It's an understanding of God's love that fills you up with God's fullness, which is literally life in power. Experiencing all that God is makes you complete. God brings life and power. And Paul prays that the church would know who God is and that it would overflow the church into experiencing the fullness of God. Literally all that God is. Wow. Because God, or because Paul is overwhelmed with God's grace, he closes with a benediction. We're literally at the end of our service going to close with it, but I'd like to read it for you again. In verse 20, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all the generations forever and ever. You see, God, when we understand who God is, God receives all the glory, all the accolades, all the credit. It's all about God. I can tell you this. When I look at my life and I start feeling sorry for my life or my situation or my scenario, what happens I don't have a clear perspective of who God is. I'm just letting you know. Because when I see God clearly he gets the glory. He gets the accolades. He gets the credit, and I trust him. It's because of who God is and his power working in us that he's able to accomplish more than we ask or think, because God loves this church. God loves the church and wants it to be an unbelievable community to continually encourage, equip, and strengthen, and send out so that you and I might be able to tell the extravagant riches of God's, of who God is, and what God desires to do. You see, the church, that's us, the community of believers, and Jesus mirror or reflect God faithfully to every generation. Wow. So what does this all mean? What does this all mean? Well, first of all, I want to remind you that this is a corporate prayer. A prayer for the church. That all of us would have our insides strengthened. So that no matter what situation or circumstance happens, God's presence is enough. And we can walk through it. And that we might understand how big and how amazing God's love is. Because probably we're not going to totally understand it. Until we see Jesus and understand what he left in order to save us. Whoa. Think about that. You see, prayer is important. And what we pray for is critical. And maybe as we learn how God's people pray, that we even as a church will pray differently and as individuals. In fact, I'm really excited about November. And I'll tell you why. And We're going to share more more of this with you. But the children downstairs, grades one to five, have a head start on us. They do. They've already begun to make a wall of prayer. And they put their prayers up on this wall. And if you haven't seen it, what a blessing. All right. But we've got Christmas coming sooner than you know. Brendan and I have had the privilege of beginning to pray through this and look through this. And, and our Crosspoint celebration is going to happen on December 1st and go all the way through Christmas Eve. But we all know, as wonderful as Christmas is, All right. It's one of the chances some people that maybe are far from God, well, they're a little more sensitive, shall we say, to the gospel, or maybe even coming into a community like this. So we're going to make available for you, starting in November, these small little cards. And we're going to ask you to begin praying for those. maybe in your life that are far from God, and that maybe they might be able to hear the extravagant riches of God's glory. And we're going to start putting them all over our lobby walls, everywhere. Now, granted, we may have to repaint. I hope I don't, or we don't, but, but, but it's worth it. And my prayer is that we have hundreds of first names, no last names, first names, as we begin to pray through November for folks that might be able to come to faith. And that we will fight on our knees. It might mean you also have to use your mouth. I get it. But as a church, and as leadership walk by, and we pray for Jim and Jenny and Jerry and Harry and We don't know who we're praying for, but we're going to pray for them. Our gathering in November, we're going to do one of the things is walk our lobby and start praying for those names. And we're going to fight our battles on our knees. And we will continue to do that. You will see that, that that there will be momentum as we depend on God differently in Crosspoint. It doesn't mean all the past has been bad. It doesn't. It just means that God and his power and authority starts when we're praying. Remember this. Paul experienced both life without Jesus and with Jesus. Remember? He did. He lived the majority of his life without Jesus. And you want to know something? Till his dying breath, what he shouted is, life with Jesus wins. Way better. Nothing matters like that. So, we're going to pray. And after we get done praying, our worship team is going to come up. And we are going to affirm that we fight our battles on our knees. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you at this moment that you would strengthen us on the inside as a church, that you expand our perspective of who you are, how much you love us, how much you care for us, how much you desire to fill us with your life and your power so that we might be able to, well, be ambassadors and advocates that we ourselves would be living lives that are so attractive that it becomes questionable. People want to know how come you can go through hard times. How come you can be disappointed And you still can trust an amazing and powerful and loving God because you just know more than we know, God. Oh, we'd like to be in on it, but we trust you. We trust you. And we desire deeply, Father, that you would work in us and through us that as we come before you powerfully into your throne room, we just come boldly into it. That you would hear our prayers. And that your kingdom would come. And that you would be glorified. You're always glorified in Jesus. But that you would be glorified in this church. We praise us in Jesus' name.